Welcome to Dollars and Cents with a couple of gents Making money moves with the finest of gents Come and pull up a seat cause we're proud to present How to make some good decisions when you're on the fence Rob and Steve gonna tell you how to do it the best Hello and welcome to another episode of Dollars and Cents with a couple of gents I am Stephen Ellis And I am Robert Wolfson And Rob, today is a very important day It is a very important day, March the 8th today Yeah, that's not why it's important, though. Not just because it's March 8th, Rob. You're right. Although March 8th is an important day. Once a year, it comes around. That's true, yeah. We should celebrate it. Yeah, we should celebrate every day. But You're right. But more importantly, International Women's Day. That's right, Rob. And a day to celebrate and reflect on progress that's been made on women's rights, but also to recognize that inequality still exists and to call for an end to that inequality. You're absolutely right, Steve. And International Women's Day is actually a global day celebrating the social, economic, cultural, and political achievements of women. And it's marked annually on March the 8th. And it marks a call to action for accelerating gender parity and celebrating women's equality. The 2022 theme is hashtag break the bias. Right, Rob. And I have heard both hashtag break the bias for the theme and also gender equality today for a sustainable tomorrow. Right. And to mark International Women's Day, we're also going to discuss what it means to business. And we're going to be joined today by Judy Goldring, and she's the president and head of global distribution at AGF Investments. She will also share her thoughts on the importance of educating and supporting women when it comes to financial literacy and how women are closing the wealth gap. Right. And a little bit about Judy. She's a renowned leader in the asset management industry and one of Canada's most influential businesswomen. She's president and head of global distribution at AGF Management Limited, where she oversees the execution of strategic plans in support of business priorities, counsels the CEO on business planning and provides direction for corporate initiatives. Reporting to the CEO, Judy also brings unified accountability to and fosters greater synergies across AGF's respective sales distribution channels globally. And in addition, she oversees the firm's human resources function and is responsible for AGF's prior client business. She's also a member of the executive management team, where she assists in the development and execution of AGF strategy. In addition, as a member of the board of directors for AGF Management Limited and AGF Mutual Funds, she provides strategic leadership and vision that promotes AGF's long-term growth. So we're honored to have Judy joining us today to help us celebrate and talk about International Women's Day. Uh, So without further ado, let's welcome Judy to the podcast. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here today. So Judy, Rob and I have given a little bit of uh, background on yourself uh, and your accomplished career. I'm wondering, just as a first question, a starting point, I'm wondering what International Women's Day means to you. Well, I'm just thrilled to be here actually celebrating this with you uh, and sharing what it means to all of us with this great podcast. For me, I guess I would look at International Women's Day as an opportunity for us to truly celebrate the accomplishments of women and really look at, you know, all that women bring to the uh, table in terms of their accomplishments and achievements and celebrating those. But at the same time, I think it's important to also look at and draw attention to other issues that impact women, whether it be from a social, economic, cultural, or even political perspective. Um, I think one of the things that International Women's Day does do is it focuses us on women in general, uh, trying to uh, provide opportunities to give women a voice, and at the same time, really focus us to looking forward. So look at to a world free of bias, look to a world free of stereotypes and discrimination and one that is truly diverse, equitable and inclusive. And the DEI focus is something that's really important for myself and for AGF. 
Uh, we've always been committed to a very inclusive culture, and we've had long-standing practices um, to ensure that our organization contributes and promotes DEI initiatives. Um, so I can stop there, and, and you know, I'm really excited again just to be here. Yeah, you touched on it a little bit, or you started to go down the path, Judy, but what does International Women's Day mean to AGF? Obviously, as one of the members of the executive management team, I'm sure you have a lot of insight into what it means for the company broadly. Yeah, so we always recognize International Women's Day, or have for the last number of years uh, at AGF. Um, today, we are actually, we launched a video, uh, and we put it on our social media platform, and it really is supporting the theme of this year's International Women's Day, which is, I guess you can find it at hashtag break the bias. So what we typically do is we mark the day by highlighting the accomplishments of our colleagues, board members, partners, through various uh, videos, podcasts, or, or blog postings. And so, we, again, refer you to www.agf.com for what we did today. Um, what we are also very proud of is that we continue to look for ways to advance women in the workplace. And by that, we support a number of different organizations, all of whom will have International Women's Day events today, uh, groups like the 30% Club which pushes for greater board diversity. We also support women's groups, or I should say other organizations, like the 100 Women in Finance. We support women in ETFs, the Rotman, Rotman uh, Commerce, Women in Business, and uh, very close to my heart is the Prosperity Project, which was launched by a real trailblazer, a woman named Pamela Jeffrey, and she brought together some founding visionaries, and that project uh, kicked off just as the pandemic kicked off, and it really is aiming to support Canadian women who've been disproportionately impacted by the pandemic. Uh, as well, I should mention, and I'm really proud of this, Kevin McCready, AGF CEO, serves as the co-chair for the Canadian Chamber of Commerce's Council for Women's Advocacy. And he has been doing that now for a couple of years. And I just think it's fantastic because it's absolutely critical to see men step up and advocate for women. So we always uh, want to have our shout-outs for Kevin and all the support he gives uh, to women in the workplace as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for new listeners of Dollars and Cents with a couple of gents, we did record an ESG episode back in the fall. And, of course, so many people focus on the E, but obviously the S and the G are so important. And you you referenced uh, the DE&I component as well to International Women's Day, why it's so important. So in your opinion, why is gender equality good for business? Well, I mean, I think we all are very familiar with the many uh, research studies that show uh, the real positive relationship between business performance, economic growth, and, of course, women's representation on boards and within C-suite as well as senior-level positions. There's a number of studies that have, have definitely shown that direct correlation. We also have found there's, again, another interesting fact would be gender diversity on boards has found that having a critical mass of at least three women on a board can actually enhance firm innovation. Uh, one of the things that we continue to see, though, is that uh, we really do need to have a cultural and mindset shift to really encourage that gender diversity because it really can't be achieved just by having one or two people promote it. We really need to work across an organization to really drive uh, proper representation across every position within the company and make sure that that pipeline has been filled so that we can see women continue to uh, contribute in, in various business capacities. So we just know that uh, in our own company, we we are doing our most to ensure broad, diverse experiences as well as backgrounds and various perspectives come together. And we just view that that is really good business. And I think we can accomplish a lot more together. So, Judy, just to follow up, you mentioned the pandemic. And, and Rob and I, on this podcast, we've talked plenty about the, the pandemic. And we often now sort of 
make light of the fact that we we have to at least discuss the pandemic several times before an episode is over. So we'd be <laughs> remiss not to uh, to follow up on lessons that have come from uh, the COVID nineteen pandemic. Sure, and I I think we have learned a lot. It's been, you know, all of us have had um, our own experience, obviously dealing with it. But I think one of the things about the Prosperity Project, the project I mentioned earlier, is that it has been looking at. Uh, how women in particular have been disproportionately impacted. Uh, and we know that the pandemic has highlighted areas like economic insecurity and the need for affordable childcare and how women who had to make those very difficult choices, whether the children were at home from school and they uh, were still trying to carry on with their work, you know, some had to make those choices. And so shining a spotlight on those sorts of issues, the economic insecurity, the need for affordable childcare, and even the ability for women to pivot in their roles even if it's a short-term sabbatical or whatever might be needed to support them in the corporate uh, workplace, you know, it's, it's, the pandemic has highlighted those issues. I think what's been great, though, is it's forced and, and has encouraged these conversations where we can talk about how do we uh, deal with and address the situation so that women don't have to exit the workplace. Um, I think it is vital uh, that we shift to uh, the shift to a virtual business environment certainly has helped uh, I think uh, women and, and others for sure, but certainly women find their voice. One of the most fascinating aspects of the pandemic that I have found is that being on Zoom and being on these uh, screens with a bunch of different squares on it, it really is an equalizer. And so we used to say, you know, take a seat at the table, uh, send them, you know, that would be there, you know, make sure you're sending a message to that you belong, that you get in front of that, you know, whomever it is and have your voice heard. I think the, the virtual real reality that we've all been living through, it's allowed for greater opportunity for voices to be heard and that, you know, there's no, no reason why people can't be speaking up and participating in calls. And it's, I think, a whole lot easier to be able to do that. And so we're hoping with the hybrid work environment and coming back to whatever this post-COVID environment is going to be, that flexibility will endure, that people will have the opportunity to continue to do some virtual um, workplace environments, uh, you know, meetings and things like that. And I think at the end of the day, we have seen leaders generally change, that leaders have evolved in their style. And again, there's been this equalizer in a way where, you know, the, the, the curtain has been pulled back and, you know, all of us had to respond to COVID in different ways. But at the same time, we were all dealing with this global pandemic. And so leadership as it is and as we knew it, I think it has changed. We, we're expecting leaders to be different as well. So lots of lessons I think we've learned from the pandemic. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's an incredibly interesting perspective. And I think, you know, Rob and I often talk about hoping that some good comes from the pandemic. And I think based on what you've just said, there is a lot of good in the area of equality that we could see as a result of, of the pandemic. Yeah. So, Judy, just a point that's close to our hearts, uh, and that would be financial literacy and wondering what your perspective is on financial literacy for, for women and the importance of that. Yeah, I mean, financial literacy just as a broad-based issue is just so critical. In fact, I was participating in a program for um, it's called CEO for a Day by Audrey Bernstein a couple weeks ago where we were in front of a number of Rotman students, uh, third and fourth year business students, and it was evident among them, and they actually uh, stated it, that society is not doing enough for financial literacy, that we need to get into the schools and get financial literacy as, as considered as important a topic as, you know, the history or geography or English that we're learning. And as it relates to women, um, I have seen firsthand just how absolutely critical it is that 
uh, women feel confident and, and have a comfort and be literate about their financial goals and the financial uh, system generally. We know for a fact that, you know, women do live longer than men, that they tend to earn less over their lifetime of employment, and they often have the need to leave the workplace from time to time, whether it be due to uh, taking care of children or potentially elderly family members, and this all works together to impact their earning potential and their ability to save longer term for their retirement. We also know women and men, of course, get widowed or divorced, um, but again, uh, outliving men longer. Uh, and they just need to ensure that they've got their longer-term financial goals and security, financial goals def- defined and be very secure about where they are going uh, with their financial goals. Um, and so I just think, you know, financial literacy is so critical for women to get educated that they uh, need to know what they are uh, owning, how they can earn it, what their goals are, and building up that confidence about financial knowledge Managing their own personal finances just sets them up for being successful in their future. So I think it is interesting as well, if I just want to flip to some research, we know, generally speaking, uh, women are twice as likely as men to describe themselves as financial beginners. So they tend to be less confident as it relates to investing. They are tend to be more conservative and a bit more risk-aware than men. Uh, they tend to define themselves as less knowledgeable and I can tell you I've got uh, eight nieces and, you know, I'm doing my best to get them to be financially literate and uh, they want to desperately know more. And the good news, though, is we tend to be savers. And so put money into the bank and, uh, you know, want to make sure we're doing the best thing to ensure our long-term success in the future. So lots of good reasons to make sure we get uh, women to be financially literate. Yeah, definitely in practice, those stats make sense on in our day-to-day business. But we also see as advisors that many more women are taking responsibility for their financial plans. For sure, the wealth controlled by women is enormous. Um, do you think that women have unique financial needs? Well, we do know they live longer. So by virtue of that, we know that uh, you know they just need to plan for a longer time horizon. Um, the issue of them being perhaps a bit more risk-aware means you might uh, have to, uh, you know, really contemplate a a really robust portfolio in order to ensure they can meet their long-term needs. Uh, We also know women, on average, earn about 81% of what men earn, and that translates into about a $900,000 differential on lifetime earnings, which is significant, so, you know, starting from a a potentially lower base. Um, We, at the same time, know that women are going to control more wealth because they control currently 32% of total global wealth, but this is expected to reach some some huge amount, like nine hundred and sorry, ninety three trillion dollars by twenty twenty three, um, and as well, they're projected to control just in Canada alone three point eight trillion dollars of wealth in Canada uh, by twenty twenty eight. So we see Canada, Canadian uh, households, you know, really being driven by women in the workplace. The opportunity for them to earn um, and and outlive their spouse or their partner. Um, we need to make sure that we uh, are addressing their specific needs. So, yes, they do have unique needs. And, again, I think the most important one is probably, God willing, of course, <laughs> longer time horizons uh, that they need to plan for. No, well, that's an excellent excellent answer, Judy. And when it comes to, you started to go down this path already, but just transferring the wealth down to the next generation. And when it comes to discussions around inheritance, what do you think women need to know? For inheritance, well, I would find this a fascinating conversation for intergenerational wealth transfer. Um, It is uh, predicted, at least in the U.S., that about 70% of the intergenerational wealth transfers will happen over the next 40 years. And, of course, women are going to be significant beneficiaries. 
Um, it does go back, of course, to financial literacy that they need to have an awareness, know what their financial goals are, and work with individuals like yourself, if I could say so, uh, Stephen Rob, for your for their guidance and advice. Um, they, interestingly, when you talk to individuals who have to look to intergenerational wealth themselves, it's fascinating that 58% of affluent Canadians actually have not discussed instructions for their estate with their kids or their heirs. Um, many of them do not want to talk about an inheritance plan at all with their beneficiaries. People just tend to be very reticent talking about estate planning and how it's going to impact the, the defined heirs. Um, and I think what I find one of the best stats is 36% say that their children don't have the financial literacy to manage the potential windfall. And, you know, I'm, I'm just really curious, is that what you're seeing? I mean, I think kids today, you know, again, gets back to financial literacy. How do we encourage that? How do we get them comfortable with it? But at the same time, how do you work with your own clients to ensure that they're having those sometimes challenging conversations with their heirs as they talk about transferring a wealth? Yeah, we, uh, well, first of all, we, we certainly support financial literacy um, starting at a young age for people in our shoes. We often sort of wonder and, and discuss why that's not a, a subject in school, right? When you think about the importance yeah. of that in terms of life skills. So we certainly would, would support that. I think you start to see those kinds of courses and programs come in much later in people's lives. And I think to a certain extent, potentially a little too late. As you know, the earlier you start thinking about it, the earlier you start saving, the more likelihood of success you have in terms of your financial well-being as an adult. So we certainly support that. In terms of clients between uh, between both genders, we, we encourage people to take active and equal roles in the process. Now, as you know, that doesn't always happen, but it's certainly something we urge and support people doing. When it comes to inheritance, it is something we bring up in recognizing that the fact that it's a difficult conversation at every level, right? No one yeah. wants to sort of quote unquote, kill off their, their parents, right? Or feel that they're benefiting from that happening. So it's uncomfortable, but the reality is, is it's, it is a reality of life and there are financial consequences associated with it. So we certainly support and encourage people to have those discussions across generations. And there are a lot of benefits associated with doing so. Definitely. I mean, uh, I think it's also great because generally speaking, women tend to, um, pay a bit more credit to their advisors um, when they see the success uh, along with inheritance as well, but they will look to their financial advisor and certainly give them credit, perhaps a bit more than men might, and I don't know if that's your experience, but, you know, certainly working with women and giving them the advice, I think it has to be a pretty satisfying and uh, rewarding experience as, as women will respond and, and are more likely to work very closely with their advisors, at least in my experience that I've seen. Yeah, and we definitely want to get the women involved in the financial planning aspect. It's a joint effort. It's not just uh, one member of the household, one spouse. And especially as you alluded to earlier on in the podcast, women statistically live longer than men. So it's typically uh, the female of the household that has to deal with that intergenerational wealth transfer. And just keeping the whole family involved and educated along the process helps so much to smooth it out. We've seen so many family squabbles just if you're not prepared but I think as long as everyone's educated and informed and know that we're here to help it just helps it along so much yeah 
So Judy, just to wrap up here, we uh, we were wondering, obviously, that the title of our podcast, Dollars and Cents with a Couple of Gents, we are a couple <laughs> of gents. So we're wondering for ourselves what we can do uh, to mark International Women's Day. And, and perhaps, just as an extension of that, what anyone out there can do to uh, to mark International Women's Day. Well, first, let me commend you on your your podcast name, I think it's very smart and quite cute. Um, and certainly as a couple of gents, and to your point, anybody, um, one of one of the things I think um, that International Women's Day does, as I say, is just highlight the opportunity to give women a voice. And one of the ways that women can uh, you know, learn more about financial industry, get that voice, it really is about mentoring. And so to the extent that, um, you know, this industry has been slow or it's, I would say, statistically, not as representative in terms of uh, a gender balance that I would have liked to have seen. I've been in this business now for over 25 years, and I can tell you I had great aspirations that there would be, you know, gender equality in this industry, but it just really hasn't come. And I actually think it's a fantastic industry, and more more women just need to know about it because I think if they can actually get into this type of uh, job, whether it be on your side of the fence, uh, Stephen Robb, or whether it be the kind of stuff I do or even asset management specifically, it's a great job. I mean, it's really interesting, lots of flexibility and a, a great way to uh, make a living. But that being said, you know, trying to get women into it, um, giving them the opportunity to be mentored is something that really uh, will be a strong step in the right way. And it can't just be women mentoring women. I think men uh, have to come into the game as well. And, uh, you know, me- mentorship is key to helping women advance their careers overall. So I would ask if you could find some somebody to mentor. That would be a fantastic way to mark International Women's Day. Great. Yeah, we will certainly endeavor to do that. And for our listeners out there as well, I think that's a really important step and something that everyone can certainly is capable of doing. And it just takes some thought. And again, recognizing uh, that today, I think, is is very important to hopefully spur on that process. So, Judy, I think that's it for our questions, unless you have anything, any final thoughts you wanted to add? No, I just thank you again for uh, hosting this on International Women's Day. And together we can all break the bias and uh, work towards mentoring more women and ensuring that they are empowered and have equal opportunity to succeed. Thanks again. So, Rob, some some really fantastic points in there, some, some real food for thought, so to speak. And, and what a great person to, to bring that forward in, uh, in Judy Goldring. Yeah, I can't think of a better person to have on uh, to talk about International Women's Day, Steve. I mean, since joining AGF back in 1998, she's held several roles, increasing responsibility. I mean, prior to being named president, she served as the executive vice president and chief operating officer. She demonstrates leadership in promoting and supporting the firm's operational effectiveness. But even before AGF, uh, she specialized in regulatory and administrative law. She received her Bachelor of Arts in Economics from the University of Toronto and then earned her Bachelor of Law from Queen's University. She's a member of the Law Society of Upper Canada, has become a member of the Canadian Bar Association since 1993. And in 2019, she received an honorary Doctorate of Laws from the University of Toronto. Just absolutely amazing. And she's the Vice Chair of the Investment Funds Institute of Canada, uh, Board of Directors and sits on the Board of Toronto French School. Uh, Canada's International School, which is the largest bilingual school in Canada. In addition to that, if that wasn't enough, she serves as the Scholarship Advisory Committee for the Children's Aid Society, as well as a lead fundraiser for the JDRF $100 million campaign to accelerate. And in 2015, she was named a Top 100 Hall of Fame inductee by the Women's Executive Network. Uh, This distinct honour is given to women who are nominated as one of Canada's most powerful women. 
top 100 for a fourth time. So before being nominated in 2015, Judy was recognized by uh, the WXN in 2012, 13, and 14. She was also honored as one of the women's post-top 20 women of 2010. So just an incredible person to have on the podcast today, Steve. Right. I mean, obviously a very distinguished career and a lot of success. And I think just as importantly, uh, an incredible advocate for, for women's equality. So once again, just want to thank Judy for joining us. And Rob, before we close out, I think it's important to recognize, especially on this day, the people in the Ukraine, our thoughts are with them. And it being International Women's Day today, our thoughts especially are with the the women uh, in the Ukraine. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Steve. It's just heartbreaking to watch uh, the news every night and just see families going to the train stations and the mothers with their children getting on a train with, you know, just a few belongings to uh, leaving their homes to uh, uncertain future. And it's just heartbreaking to watch and our thoughts and prayers to everyone involved. And of course, as you mentioned, to all of the, the women and children on today, International Women's Day. So I want to thank our listeners out there as well. Do what you can to both celebrate, recognize, uh, and make a difference on International Women's Day and every day going forward. You know, it's a day we mark to recognize, but it's things that we need to do on a daily basis, not just one day a year. It's something we need to do regularly to, to really ultimately make change. Hashtag break the bias. Hashtag break the bias. And as always, I'm Stephen Ellis. And I'm Robert Wolfson. And we are a couple of gents. And we'll talk to you again soon.